Hey, Link here. Thanks for joining me on episode 72, where I speak with Dan Marshall, founder of Size 5 Games. Dan answers the staples like how he got into making games, his childhood favorites, and also talks about how to bully a Valve employee into getting your game onto Steam, the genres that influenced him, and things he enjoys outside of gaming, like <laughs> off to the seaside to relax. Just before getting you to it, feel free to subscribe or follow the podcast on social media or wherever else you are listening, and check the episode description for ways to support the podcast as well as Dan. And without further ado, here we go. Hi, and welcome to the Red Tunic Podcast, a podcast where I look to rediscover what makes gaming fun and enjoyable by having positive conversations with those related to the industry. My name is Link, and today I'm joined by Dan Marshall, founder of Size 5 Games, known for Ben There, Dan That, and Time Gentleman Please, The Swindle, Behold the Kickman, and most recently, Lair of the Clockwork God. Hi, Dan. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you very much. That's great to hear. Now, Dan, before we get started... Would you mind telling me and anyone listening a little bit about yourself or your projects or just anything that basically you feel people need to know as a ground level for who you are? That's really embarrassing because I think you've summed up my entire career just fine in your introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's it. I started Size 5 when I started Size 5 when um, like profitable indie development wasn't really a thing, right? We were making, I was a kid making stupid little hobby games took off and did well enough to like let me do this as a as a full-time job and i've been doing it for 15 years i think so like that you know remember like i don't know how old you are you're probably too young but if you remember as far back as like 2006 2008 that kind of era there wasn't such a thing as like being an indie developer is kind of i used to get press based on the fact that i'd written a game on my own right it was that long ago um and that's how i started and uh i sort of just just being quite oh I mean, it was a good time it was a good time to start i'm very aware of it, but i was very lucky to start like back then and not now because there weren't a, there weren't as many games around but i uh so i started off um making games and each game just sold enough to make another one and that's been my entire business plan is to make enough money to make another video game and keep doing what i'm doing and doing what i enjoy that's it so that's really interesting to hear the perspective of basically just make enough money so that way you can continue on, continuing on. Um, and, you know, for, for the record or for your information, I'm 35, so I was definitely acutely aware of You're very that. young. <laughs> well, thank you. That's the <laughs> first time I've heard that one in a while. Um, but I'm acutely aware of, like, the scene of how that weird transition happened like pre steam or um, like new grounds, um, you know, cause back then the, a small handful of, of indie games actually kind of succeeded. And you were right. Like anytime one of them was being put out, the press seemed to love it. And, you know, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. You know, uh, I, I fully believe that if not for the support from all areas, uh, indie might not be what it is today but you know it's absolutely great and wild to hear that that was basically just um 
a hope and a prayer, if I might put it that way, uh, moving forward as you did, like in the early or late tw- 20, uh, late whatever 20s, <laughs> yeah, 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 whatever the knots or whatever. I don't know, it's always weird for me to think of. It's weird because I, I owe a lot to Steam because, like, I mean, you talked about Steam, Steam, uh, it was a closed system, right? It was cu- heavily curated back then. But when Time Gentleman Please came out, um, you know, it sold a few copies, but not enough to make a career out of. And then um, a friend of mine um, was, you know, he was he was making seriously serious video games, and he flew to Seattle because you couldn't get like a Valve contact. You couldn't just email them. You still sort of can't, but you definitely couldn't back in those days. And uh, he flew out to Seattle and cornered this guy on it in a coffee shop for his email address <laughs> so that he could like pitch getting his game on Steam. And he came back and I said, oh, can I have it? And he went, yeah, all right. And he gave, gave me this guy's email address. I can't even remember who it was now. He gave me this guy's email address and I spent like a day crafting a single email um, that basically sold Time Gentleman Please, the concept of Time Gentleman Please, uh, in like one sentence, two sentences. I like Wired had called it an indie masterpiece and Eurogamer had given it a nine out of 10 or something like that. So, and I just, and I just you know, every every bit of punctuation, every word counted as far as I was concerned because I was going to get one shot at it. And I sent this guy an email with like two sentences where, you know, explaining the game. Um, and he said yes. And Time Gentleman Please went on Steam pretty quickly. Um, and if, if that hadn't happened, I mean, that that basically set up the foundations for um, running the entire company. Um, you know, uh, Steam sales back in those days were unbelievable like hugely profitable to just take 30% off the game. Um, and it set the company up and kept it going. So yeah, Steam was, I owe, I owe a lot to Steam back in, what, what year was that? Like 2009. Um, yeah. Weird times. So that's absolutely wild to think that, if I may summarize it this way, that your entire career has almost kind of been successful based on your friend bullying a st- valve employee for their email <laughs> yeah but don't put it like that because then he'll come to me like he, i think he th- he'll think he owes me free drinks for the rest of the rest of his life but which is probably <laughs> true so dan maybe just kind of expand on um on the everything that we kind of just discussed um you know taking it back just a little bit how did you get into developing and making games and Based on your experiences, maybe not corner a Valve employee for their email, but can you share any words of wisdom from, you know, from those experiences? Uh, no, I don't have any words of wisdom. I'm not that wise. Uh, but like my, you know. Um, let me think how to put this. Sorry, say that again. Ask me that question again. I it's completely. My answer is completely. That was two questions, and it's unfair. And my answer. Yeah. Uh, so you know, if we'll, we'll 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 ignore the words of wisdom part, as you said, you don't really have any, which is perfectly fine. Well, look, you let's know, start can... with let, let's start with words of wisdom, right? I okay. can manage. I can manage one, which is okay. the same one that like has always existed, which is not to bite off more than you can chew, right? And I think. 
um, it's very easy when you're making video games to try and uh, you know what did you play last week? I played I played a bit of Tears of the Kingdom and I played a bit of Starfield, right? And and it's quite easy when you're interested in making video games that you go, oh, I'd love to make something like this, and like got to keep in mind the whole time that those games were made by teams of hundreds of people for like pretty much a decade right and you can't do that you've got to understand the concept of scope and you've got to understand what you're capable of and um you know even i fall foul of it layer of the clockwork god you know nearly killed me in a lot of ways because uh, the bar is so high now that the you know time gentlemen please and Ben Edanat did well, but they were like these two deliberately knockabout silly little adventure games that were look like South Park and were look worse than South Park, right? Because that was the charm, that was the idea. Uh, and then we did Lower the Clockwork Garden. Suddenly the bar is like a thousand times higher, and in order to stand out or match it, you've got to you've got to really put the hours in. Um, so it was you know that's hard work. So anyone can fall foul of it you just know your limits know what you can learn what you can do i think is my word of advice um I, you know in terms of i remembered what the question was now it was about how i got into it and um my so i used to work in tv and um my uh the short answer is that my drive to make video games was always higher than my technical ability to do so <laughs> so um i didn't i didn't know how to code i learned how to code i you know i picked up various bits and pieces you know ben had done that was was ags which is adventure game studio which was felt like cheating back in those days but was basically just an engine um and i moved over to unity uh for when did i do that for the swindle um but i you know i learned to code and i learned to enjoy it and i learned to love it and i learned to enjoy making little worlds and stupid little things happen on my screen um so yeah that was my that was my entry point into it was just i mean i mean you know i'm enjoying this a lot and i had a, i had a lot of luck in that in terms of um uh my career trajectory i know it was my you know time judgment please i had a full-time job when i was making it and um it just became it just became a point where i was in a position to leave my job um and set up a company properly um, but you know, yeah, it was, I, I got, I'm aware of my, my, you can't follow my career trajectory because it was just all blind luck. <laughs> so no, thank you for that. And I, I think the, the advice of don't bite off more than you can chew is, is absolutely wonderful. Cause that is something that is echoed quite a bit. Uh, you know, never am I going to dismiss that because the more people that say it, the more true it should in theory be um you know because i know like there's there's always that small chance biting off more than you can chew does pay off however most of the time it's going to kill you right so yeah i mean know, like look look at like you can't predict those things about what's going to take off and what's going to do well right so all you can do is like have a reasonable expectation of what any game you make is going to bring back chances of it being like look at right uh, the guy who made vampire survivors i don't know he did not bite off more than he could chew with that game right he chances are when he made something that just went weirdly viral flappy bird same thing right you can't predict these things that these people are like the guys who did it didn't slave for like eight years to make it and then 
and remortgage their house and put everything on it and pay for a massive marketing budget. I, you can't do it. They didn't buy off more than they could chew and they got lucky. But the vast majority of developers out there um, have that exact problem. You've got to, you've got to be, you've got to um, be kind of strict with yourself about what you're making and and how and how quickly. So yes, thank you for for you know rounding that out there as well because yeah, I 100% understand what you're saying. I imagine a lot of people do as well, and you know wouldn't would be hard pressed to disagree. Um, like I said, I've heard similar advice from several different you know people within the industry, and I, as someone that is not um, making games but has uh, went back to school twice and you know professionally works as a programmer and you know can get grand lofty ideas for doing dumb things. Um, I can say from my own personal experience, it's good to chew what you can actually chew. So, yeah, yeah. you know, thank you for that. So what I'm going to move on to next, I don't know why I transitioned with that. And that was a really weird one. <laughs> but was there a game that made you want to make games? And if so, like, what was it about that game that made you go, oh, yeah, this is, this is it. This is the thing that, I want my life to be. I see. I this is, I, I my brain doesn't work like that. I don't think about like one game. Um, there's like a question you. There's a question coming up that you asked about like, sorry from your list of questions. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> but there's a question about like about genre, favorite genre and stuff like that. And uh, my brain doesn't work like that because I just like I I, I just like the experience of trying something new. I think. And I always have done. Um, my, I, you know, I couldn't name a favorite game, really. I mean, I, I can. I've got one in mind. But, like, <laughs> a game that made me want to make games, right? That's, um, the answer to that is, like, such a mash of um, stuff that I played in my childhood and teens. And, and, and it's... Um, off the top of my head, it is it's Chucky Egg and it's Sonic the Hedgehog and it's Flashback and it's um Sam and Max Hit the Road and it's Wing Commander and it's like all these wildly different games in so many ways. You know, it's it's Lemmings and it's it's um a Syndicate. Right? No one thing. But like all those games that I played when I was between the ages of like when let's say eight and fifteen that had that formative um uh effect on me. It's that it's that sort of stuff that I think back and think, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that period of my life and the the feelings that I got from those games. And that's the kind of thing I, I want to I always sort of strive to recreate. I mean if you look at my if you look at my history, it's a bit you know, size games. I don't make. I, well, it's not true. But I don't. I I try not to make the same game over and over in a lot of ways. So, like Ben, there, Dan, that, and Time Gentlemen, please were, were were like old school adventure games, and we did uh, we did Gunkies, which is like a multiplayer shooter thing, which was inspired by like Worms and uh, Unreal Tournament, which were big big hitters for me as a kid, uh, and the Swindle, which is like a procedurally generated roguelike platformer, and then. Um, Kick Men, which is sort of like a joke football game visual novel thing, and then Layer of the Clockwork God, which is like platform game meets adventure game. And so it's not like 
oh hey my name's Dan Marshall and I really liked uh, Sonic the Hedgehog as a kid and so I just make Sonic the Hedgehog style games does that make sense <laughs> it's like the answer to that question is just all video games <laughs> yeah so I I understand completely what you're what you're saying and like where you're the, like the direction you're you're coming from and you know that makes perfect sense because um in a lot of ways and like you know sometimes it's hard to fully narrow this down as like a question right is the mm. the feeling the nostalgia of not just a game but like a um a period of your life where everything you did had such an impact on who you are and how you came to be this person like how you came to be in the career and what influenced you and such right and sure. like so thank you for putting it that way um because yeah like i said it's hard to have a question that asks that that kind of narrows that down but but no anyway what you as you said that makes perfect sense to have a whole swath of games that basically just influenced uh so much of what it is that you are putting it out there right like that you took yeah, in yeah, and put yeah. out yeah. so you know that I think the the best way to follow up that one is because, you know, it's it's difficult to, as you said, you know, uh, you don't have like one singular thing. It's, you know, you don't have like a singular favorite genre. And as you as you mentioned, all of your games are uh, kind of like jumping all over the place in terms of um, what they are. They're not sticking. It's not I like you guys made a platformer and went, we're good at platformers. Right. That's what we're going to do. You know, but part of that is like um my influences and and i was obviously influenced by a fairly wide uh, selection of games but like also part of it is not wanting to get bored at work you know i could have i could have made a career out of making comedy point and click adventure games for 15 years and i think i would have done fine at it but i think i'd also be bored livid for quite a lot of my work day it's quite nice you know starting a new project and going what are we doing this time Right, it's okay. We're doing top-down stuff, or we're doing side-on stuff, or we're doing three D stuff. Right, I'm working in three D at the moment. It's like it's all just different things, and I think it keeps me um, keeps me energized, keeps me excited about making games to to not know what's coming up next. Right, I don't want to be you know if I was if I was working at um, let's say Bethesda for want of a better, I've been playing Starfield. Right, so like. So like, you know, presumably people, I don't know this for sure, but like presumably people like Todd Howard or whoever in Bethesda went from working on Fallout 3 to working on Fallout 4 to working on Fallout 76 to working on Starfield. And next they're going to do uh, Elder Scrolls 6. They're all functionally the same game, same engine, same problems, same issues, same same workflow, same pipeline, same everything. And I I think I just find that quite hard to to start a new project and feel like you're still working on the last one. I think I, I think I'd find that quite tricky. So yeah, thank you for for praising it that way and I I understand as I think many will that that what you're like the the sentiment that you're that you're having that you're sharing because yeah, 100% like, you know, um you don't want to be bored at what you do, especially <laughs> if you enjoy what you do the last thing you want is something to like slowly chip away at that joy right sure yeah, yeah so 
I'll ask this, and you know, we're we're speaking of the nostalgia, speaking of uh, where you know where you maybe not exactly where you came from because it sounds like a wide swath. However, um, is there a game from your childhood nostalgia, or just you know? It, maybe that you don't hold in such high regards however you enjoyed that you you know that you played as a kid that you just don't think would hold up today for whatever reason uh yeah i was i do you know i was really into um i i picked up a copy of wing commander 3 heart of the tiger uh randomly didn't know anything about it picked it up uh if you don't know it's like a space flight simulator spaceship game with live action cutscenes with mark hamill um and thomas f wilson from back to the future um can't express how much i love that game and and the follow-up wing commander 4 uh were were i played them so many times through um and my, I, I, I rewatched some of the, some of the cutscenes a couple of years ago, because someone, had, I think someone had stitched them together into a movie. Um, and my sort of fifteen, sixteen-year-old memory of those games was the quality bar was the quality of the of the acting and the camera work and the special effects and everything was so much higher than reality you know it's it's weird watching them back now he was obviously working with a you know new technology massive limits in budget and what he could do with it um i remember it being just you know those those games being storylines to to rival star wars they were that good. I mean, you know, I, I'm aware that also when I was 15, 16 years old, I was a f***ing idiot. Sorry, I've told you once fair. I was a, <laughs> I was a massive idiot. And, um, you know, uh, my, you know, your tastes in things change over time. I think you're, I think at that age, you're, 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 you're more impressed by lower quality stuff. I think, I think Wing Commander was a beautiful game for its time, but I suspect if I played it now, I, I wouldn't be able to put up with this, either the space flight bits or the shooting or the cutscenes. So I'm going to leave it, you know, because you want to play games again. You know, you, how many times have we played Sonic the Hedgehog again, right? And how many times have you played Mario again? And, you know, various bits and pieces from your youth. The tech just hasn't necessarily aged beautifully with quite a lot of games. And um, for that reason, I'm going to leave uh, Wing Commander 3 and 4 in my head where they are perfect beautiful games and i'm not going to risk replaying them because <laughs> i suspect they've not aged well so i can't speak to their aging however i i definitely understand where you're coming from with that like i i have some games as well that they the 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 memory that i hold with them i don't want to toy with that memory for you know, for various reasons, you know, sometimes it's, as you said, simple as not wanting to, um, not wanting to like ruin something you held in such high regards or risk ruining. Right. Um, you know, so like, I, I get it. I think a lot of people will as well. Um, 
However, I'll say this just for your own um, sanity, I guess. Um, I believe there's like a Wing Commander movie, like an actual, like Hollywood. Oh yeah, there is. It's dreadful. <laughs> okay, you. I was gonna well, say you might I mean, want watched, to avoid I, it. I watched that when it came out and uh, wasn't very impressed. But maybe it's maybe that's aged really well. Who knows? Maybe I'll go back and watch it. I think that what they did, they it, you know, uh, Wing Commander, the video games are basically sort of Star Warsy sort of stuff. They're kind of pulpy, um, action driven uh, narratives. Uh, movie they i remember they tried to make they tried to make a sci-fi version of das boot which was you know uh not not the worst idea but i don't think they pulled it off and as i remember it but i'll maybe i'll give it another go we'll see maybe it's aged super well um i'll let that be a surprise for you oh okay thanks (laughs) (laughs) i well this thing i can't i can't speak to it in today's time i don't even know if i've seen it i just know it exists um yeah. so i you know I, I at the risk of speaking about something i 100 percent know nothing of um i'll let you decide just don't look go don't go reading any reviews or what have you uh that might uh that might taint your view the way it has tainted mine all right, all right i'll <laughs> give it another, i'll give it a go i'll give it another go i remember getting i remember getting wing commander movie out from blockbuster um, so that's how old, that's how long ago it was that I saw that. <laughs> um, so you know, it, trying to think, um, how old that movie actually was? Oh, wow, nineteen ninety nine. Okay, so it's it's old enough. Um, what I'll what I'll say really quick, based on me googling the date and seeing the review scores, um, when I went and saw the Michael Bay Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. I told my friend he had to drive because there was no way I was going into that thing without a few drinks in me. Right. Um, this might be a movie that you want to have a few drinks in you for. I'm, yeah, okay, I don't fine. know. Just yeah. throwing that out there. All right. Um, so, you know, speaking of games that you enjoyed as a child that you're worried might not hold up today, uh, was there a game that you, in your memory, that you enjoyed as a child that you don't feel gets enough credit? You know, kind of the opposite of that question in a weird sense. Oh, I don't know the answer to that. Well, specifically for my childhood, or games are generally that don't get enough credit. I don't... Um, it can go both ways. Whichever it's, whichever it's would hard. be easiest for you. I mean, look, I... I um make what are generally considered indie games so i i play a lot of indie games for largely for inspiration sometimes because they're made by friends sometimes um you know you're just looking for something and you find something on the switch store or whatever um the answer to like games that don't get enough credit there are there are so many of them there are so many like um really lovely beautifully made little indie games that have done sort of fairly middling numbers and people don't pay attention to. I mean, you know, if you, if you talk to, if you, you know, most people who talk about the games industry and you say, you know, who say they play indie games and you say like, what indie games do you like? They'll say the same five, right? They'll say, Oh, hollow Knight and uh, super meat boy and limbo 
you know, all these big hitters that did astronomical numbers uh, and set their creators up for life. Uh, you know, I'm very aware that there's there's so many games that are just beautiful and fun and stupid and enchanting and didn't, for whatever reason, take off in the same way as those. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's one. I think it's just I think it's an entire genre. I think it's an entire like industry of games that don't get enough credit because um, uh, there are thousands of them going up on Steam every day, right? <laughs> I it's been a few years since I've seen the stat, but I think the last I saw it was just over a thousand a day were being approved. That um, can't be right. That cannot be right. That's now, not right. It's like now, <laughs> that's three hundred sixty-five thousand games a, a year. That so, can't be right because that's a lot. In in that statistics defense, a lot of that is like horrible, um, like uh, copy pasted. Okay, like, like make flipped. those little. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 everything everything. I wasn't meaning a thousand quality games okay. when I read the stat. But it was, you know, just, People. yeah, here's a, you want an anime porn uh, okay. box puzzle maker? Here you go. It's a buck. You know, those kind of things by oh, the numbers. Okay. Wow. Who knew? I mean, you know, I've, uh, all that side, all that kind of businessy stuff, I pay attention to a lot when um, projects start or projects end. But in the middle, you've got to ignore it, I think. It's it's super not good for you to to whittle about minutiae like that. <laughs> you know, there are people there are people who revel in it and like pick apart Steam stats and um and you know work out the optimal keyword for your Steam page to maximize sales and all that sort of stuff. And it's it's it sets my heart, it sets my blood pressure going thinking about it. <laughs> right so yeah i i stay i stay clear of all that stuff until unless i absolutely have to 100 understand what you were saying and just as a quick correction because i did just google i was i don't know what i read in the past that might have been um just assets in general upload to steam it's only 34 games a day as per uh last year um that's, but either which really... way the cent yeah, a little bit of one. Um, I don't know. I don't know what I read, um, or what I wildly misunderstood. Um, but either which way, you know, I, the sentiment is still like the same, right? Like not diving into things because I know there's, um, you know, in terms of like indie games, um, smaller ones. There's a lot of content creators that kind of base everything they do around trying to highlight or find them. Um, and then talk about the ones, the small ones that they've found. And, you know, uh, I think that's like a wonderful thing because, you know, for every Hollow Knight, there's many other smaller games that just don't afford the ability to get lucky or, uh, you know, hit press and like just explode or have a chance to explode. Right. So, yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, speaking to that, like the content creators that, that do those kind of things and speak to the smaller ones they find is wonderful. And I'm very happy that I was very wrong about, um, the number of games popping off because that would make it even harder for <laughs> those hidden gems, right. 
two to come out from all of those weird little like anime naked girl puzzle block ones or I mean, or whatever asset blitz. Thirty four is still a lot though, isn't it? Thirty four every day is still a lot of competition. Yeah, and that was last year. Um, so you know, <laughs> I. I don't I don't know where that number came from. I don't know what I read anymore, but yeah. Um, you know, it, it, the the more the longer it goes on, the more it gets easier, you know. By all means, I'm not going to say anything negative to people to indie devs trying to get their, you know, games out and such. Um, asset flits and stuff, I I will say negative too. But like it's it's not an as well as you know, it's not an easy easy world. So like yeah, yeah, yeah a lot of competition that you know sometimes doesn't need to be as tooth and nail as it is right exactly yeah. so dan i am i am curious about this one as someone who has made a handful of different you know a handful of games across different genres um with different like you know uh, philosophies or what have you behind it because obviously the philosophy behind a um a soccer visual novel style game is not going to be the same as a point and click is not going to be the same as a um, sex education uh, run and gun or a, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, what have you, what have you like your, your catalog um, is. Oh, wow, I, I lost myself and how I was, how I was going to, how I was going to throw it off. Um, but based on like all of that, like obviously you would, you would try different, as you said, you play different indie games. So there's obviously different trends you have, you may notice, or you may have experienced, um, you know, a big one that came out a year or so ago from, I think a game jam was the, uh, the frogs. And now there's frog games everywhere, which is hilarious and fantastic. But is there like a trend that you've noticed over the last few years that, you know, that you've really enjoyed, whether it's inspired you or, uh, been used as, uh, like, a an idea starter or anything but is there like a, a trend that you've noticed that you're like oh this is fun this is n neat and something to look forward to no i do you know what i, mean, I don't it depends what you mean by like recently but like um i remain a big fan of like the roguelite genre um there's something about that that appeals I, i'm aware that there's like a joke about you know indie games being too reliant on that as a as a as a uh as a trend you know as a as a fashionable thing i'm aware that like they're not you know there's there's a sense that there's too many of them but i still it still it it, it scratches this little itch that i got those those kind of games i like um I, I I like like procedurally generated runs, and I really like building up. Um, one of the you know one of the reasons I made the swindle is I really like games where you where you where you make money <laughs> when you make <laughs> you have a resource or something, and you just keep on uh, making more and more and spending it. I've been playing. This is this is bad, but I've been playing. Um, do you remember Cookie Clicker? It's an old uh, web game where you like click on a cookie to make a cookie. And then eventually yeah. you can get enough. You can click on enough cookies. You can spend your cookies on um, something to automatically click the cookie for you. 
and then it just keeps going and before long you're making like millions and trillions of cookies because you're investing in like farms and things and there's no game to it and I, my boy was playing this game on his on his he's got his tablet and it was and it was basically cookie clicker in a but you know in a 3d sort of sense and i said to him look there's no game to this right you're just there's just a screen and you're not doing anything it's just ticking away in the background you know you're making fairly arbitrary choices and i downloaded cookie clicker to show him and say like look how foolish you're being this is a perfect example <laughs> and that was i can tell you now that was like 160 days ago that that conversation happened because i'm still playing cookie clicker <laughs> it's still coming up on my phone and i go ah oh, and i'm doing like super well on cookie clicker and that's the thing and so like <laughs> i have this part of my brain that like like seeing numbers go up i think we all do Numbers going up is good. And roguelite games uh, kind of uh, kind of appeal to me in that sense. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's not... A, I don't necessarily know it's a recent trend, but that, that, that uh, has provided a lot of um, quality evenings for me, sitting down slumping and, like, building artificial um, stockpiles of money. <laughs> improving characters leveling up it's leveling up right it's just it's leveling up characters and, and doing that sort of stuff yeah yeah it really appeals to me so you know thank you for that and you know as someone that really enjoys the the roguelike or roguelite genre um i i understand completely what you're saying there's a it has its own kind of um reward system for as you said just getting to see numbers go up right like yeah. uh, uh even and even when it's like a really bad run you're really just hoping you'll do something to make those numbers go up, even if just temporarily, right? So no, I 100% understand. I, I I get that. that. Um, now, Dan, you had mentioned before we started, you, 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 know, you didn't have a lot of time this morning. So I'm going to throw this one at you, and then I will let you, or I'll get out of your hair so you can go on to more important things for the day. However, outside of games, you know, outside of playing games, making games, what have you, what do you what do you enjoy to do or what do you enjoy doing like what do you do to relax what are, who are you outside of you know uh making games at size five games or what have you i have a i have a little eight-year-old boy who's my he's my entire life um better and worse uh so um outside of games i do very little apart from school runs and um looking after him and making sure he's happy um but that that's what brings me joy in so many ways we we i'm very lucky we live a we live um in a really nice part of the country it's it's not a long jaunt to the seaside from here so um my wife and my kid packing up into the car and going down to the seaside and you know messing around in the sea and building sandcastles and you know teaching him how to bodyboard and um watching him enjoy himself that's that's like the best um What's the way? You know, it's the best untangling of my brain that I can that I can imagine, because like making video games is is complicated. There's like you you know what it's like. You're building systems, and you've got to remember. You know, you're trying to find a bug, and the bug involves a system, and you've got to mentally map out all the systems that rely on that system, and all the systems that are relying on it, and um and what they link to, and your brain just gets sort of so um wound up in itself um and i can't think of anything i can't think of anything better than just 
I mean, you know, there's. Sorry, I'm going to swear again. Prepare your bleeper. <laughs> like, I have this joke. I have this joke. I did on Twitter, which is true. But like, you know, there's always there's always um, metrics about what makes someone an indie developer. You know, whether you've got a publisher, whether you've got money, or how big the team is, and all this sort of stuff. And I always maintain that the true measure of an indie developer is if it's the if it's the hottest day of the year so far, can you just down tools and <laughs> off to the seaside? Right, that's my measure. If you're, if you can, if you can do that, if no one else is, if no one's going to say, "Hey, what do you think you're doing?" <laughs> off to the seaside, you're an indie developer, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so, uh, yeah, so <laughs> off to the seaside is my go-to <laughs> for for uh, for untangling all this these knots of thoughts in my head. So, thank you for that, and you know, I think that's a a very lovely thing, you know, to have, uh, to, to have that as how you unwind. Um, you know, I, I don't have children. I can't speak to that. I can't relate or I can't emphasize with that one in the same way that I can relate or emphasize to other things. So, you know, the best I can say is that's, that's a lovely way to relax. Um, as you put it, just <laughs> off to the seaside <laughs> with your family for the day or what have you. Um, and also, I think that's a really interesting metric for what truly makes indie versus versus not being able to, you know, just to drop everything and, you know, screw off for the day, um, because that it's is a, very, a it's a very flippant like, yeah, it's a very flippant metric. But like, I haven't met anyone yet who does who, who doesn't meet it. <laughs> yeah. And I understand completely what you're saying, because, you know, as much as um you know, as, as much as we want to be able to say, yeah, I'm in control of what I do, like, regardless of how flippant you are, a lot of us still have that barrier of, but I got to check with my boss first. Like me yeah, doing yeah. this podcast, I'm, I work in a place that is very lax in how I can take my time off. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have to like, fight hard for it to be able to take some time off to, to do these things if need be. However, I still need to do it, even if I'm confident it's going to be approved. Right. So, you know, that having a metric of, well, I don't answer to anyone off I go is, is a hilarious metric to have. Um, just, I, I don't know why I just find it amusing. So thank you for that as well. <laughs> it's, all right. it's the dream, right? It's the dream. Obviously, yes. Nice thank you i'm off that that puts it wonderfully that it's the dream and that's why it's so hilarious because i think we all have that dream uh in some way shape or form it might not be in the exact same words but we all have that same dream so thank you that is why it's so funny is the the encapsulated under that now dan as i said you know before we started you said you didn't have a lot of time you know you kind of squeezed me in and i very much appreciate that and in the same vein I do want to let you go. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. However, if there was anything else you want to discuss, even if it were just a single word kind of thing or like a cool game or what you're doing or something you feel more people should just be more aware of, by all means, the floor is yours. As well, please let everyone know where they can find more information about you. And I'll also include that information in the episode description. I wish I could tell you what I'm working on, but it's secret. Uh, and I've signed NDAs and stuff. to So it's it's... Like seriously grown up secret. Um hopefully not for much longer <laughs> because I'm I'm quite keen to start talking about it. Um it's it's a very cool project and I really hope it um 
I really hope it comes off because uh, it's got a it's got a really talented and dedicated team on it, and it deserves the chance to be exceptionally good. Um, but I can't tell you what it is. Um, I, I do you know what I used to just give everyone my Twitter handle for finding me, but um, <laughs> given that Twitter's now the worst, and I've, I've stopped going on Twitter specifically, I've decided you know I don't want to I don't want to give Elon Musk like content for propping up propping up his failed platform so i've stopped specifically stopped doing twitter when i'm you all my all my stuff is on blue sky now like i don't know uh so i'm dan that.bsky.social um is the best way of getting hold of me um until the next thing but yeah i'm 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 i've sworn off twitter i still check it so you can still message me and i'll get it but i might not be able to contact you back because i'm resolutely not um not not providing any form of engagement that might make him money. So that's a really doubt. That's a really sad ending. <laughs> I don't want to you like know. end a nice podcast by grumbling. Let's do another question because I don't want to end a nice podcast grumbling <laughs> about Elon Musk because we all spend enough time of our time doing that anyway. Let's pick a, pick one more question. We'll do one more. Awesome. Okay. Fair enough then. Um. So I think if we want to end this on a happy note and not talking about the horrorscape that Twitter is, um. I'm going to go with this one. I think this is a safe one. Actually, I'll shoot you two. You can pick whichever one you prefer. Um, okay. As someone who enjoys roguelikes myself, and as, as you had said, you also enjoy kind of hunkering down with one. If you have a roguelike that you really enjoy, you think people should also check out, by all means, feel free to share it. Or, and I think you already covered this, uh, your 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 current and best comfort game, which might just be Cookie Clicker. So, um, but either way, two two <laughs> no. easy ones, hopefully for you. Okay, look, Go nuts on whichever one you'd the like. Best comfort game. The best comfort game is interesting because, like, um, you know, you can't you can't go necessarily go back to stuff and expect it to be as good. I would like my favorite game. The one the game I put the most hours into is XCOM Two, which uh, I find wildly addictive but like and i would consider i would sort of consider that a comfort game because um of how enamored i am by the entire concept but like i think something about xcom 2 just goes against the grain of the concept of comfort because it's alarmingly tense at all times <laughs> right they're like i i've got a 67 percent chance of shooting that alien and if i don't <laughs> my entire squad is dead i don't necessarily feel like that's comfort um, for me, the one that the one that's always installed recently. Um, I was always a big, uh, you know, I was uh, eleven years old when Sonic the Hedgehog came out on on the Mega Drive or Genesis, where we were. And um, to me, there's something about that music and that intro screen and Green Hill Zone. I, you know, I can whip through Green Hill Zone in in five minutes flat and come away feeling energized and happy i don't need to play any of the rest of the game i can just whip through green hill zone and i'm happy and um i think sonic mania did has done the best possible iteration of um green hill zone you know since the since the original um and it's all you know it's all it's all always installed and it's always ready to go and it's happy fun easy Sort of, I don't want to say mindless, but you know what I mean. I don't have to, I don't have to check in or think about anything. There's no UI, there's no menus to navigate, there's no um, complicated rules to remember. I've got, I've got 
got a I've got a jump button, right? And that's basically the that's the end of it. Uh, so yeah, Sonic Mania I think is my is my, is weirdly my my thing that's always installed and is always a nice quick run to um, that always puts a smile on my face. It's it's such a it's such a beautiful um, iteration of that entire concept. I always talk about like Sonic is people forget this. I you know you, people look at you look at old games and you go you know that either looks good or it looks bad depending on how badly it's, the graphics have aged. And um, I mean you'll remember this, but like when we first played Sonic the Hedgehog. I was 11 years old and um, it wasn't like it looked pretty. There wasn't necessarily anything um, completely out of this world about it in a lot of ways. It was a, it was a platform game, right? We'd seen platform games before and we'd grown up with them or whatever. But when Sonic goes around that little loop-de-loop in Green Hill Zone, it's easy to forget that that was a technological marvel, right? As kids, we couldn't believe what we were seeing, that you'd go round in a circle like that. It was, it was unheard of. And um, I, don't, I don't necessarily know that Sonic gets the, gets the credit for like, those kind of eye-opening wow moments that it, that it provided for us. Um, and it still does to me in a lot of ways. I, there's, it, it's, it's faded over time, but the... Thrill of going around a little loop to loop in Sonic the Hedgehog still uh, excites me and makes me happy. There you go. That's a better way to end it, isn't it? <laughs> much, yes, much, much more optimistic. And I'll really quickly share some optimism with you. And I think you'll appreciate, or hopefully you'll appreciate both of these before I get out of your hair. Um, recently played um, the the new Sonic game release, the the big pack. And I don't remember if it's Mania or or what have you the one that has like the remasters of of all of them oh yeah uh origins i think they called it um and i was playing sonic cd for the first time in years and i hit the first loop in that one where it does the screen transition to show you running up it from a behind scene um in a similar vein of always being like just in wow and amazement of that loop i while playing that one literally kind of you know, shook my girlfriend. So she watched and went, look at this. This is amazing. Cause you know, like you said, it inspires such like wow factor. Right. So, you know, I 100% agree and understand the, the, the Sonic having that, that wow factor. Cause it did some really cool things that, you know, you forget it did that it, you know, that probably a first for it because, you know, Sega was trying its hardest to outdo Nintendo. And in those ways, they really went to, went to bat for it. Yeah. Um, and then the other really, you know, hopefully optimistic thing, um, if you like XCOM, which I agree completely is a very um, interesting game to enjoy, have comfort from considering the amount of stress and, you know, terror that it can yeah. have. Um, Mario Rabbids is a wonderful kind of like inspired derivative of it, I guess you would say. Um, both of them, the first and the second one on the Switch, are are absolutely fantastic and they are like very much lower stakes XCOM games in my mind. And if you enjoy XCOM and maybe don't want to be stressed over that 67% or uh, the stakes of everything literally just going to be a game ender um, or to be able to play it with your eight-year-old child, um, it, it might be worth looking into because it might be something that's straight up your alley that you also might enjoy uh, with a little bit of less stress involved in some aspects of the game. 
see we're going to end your podcast on a bummer again because <laughs> i everything about oh. mario everything about mario drives me up the wall i can't stand his little twee friends and his <laughs> stupid pastel colored landscape and his happy go lucky attitude and i just thought i i just so everything about it like the the dialogue and the characters talking it's also twee and i'm 43 years old i don't i don't <laughs> i don't understand it i played you know it's, it's weird because i played um mario odyssey and there's like stuff in it where i'm like you know this is really good it's really satisfying like throwing your hat and jumping on it that's a cool mechanic and then uh like the donkey car the, the sort of like you know the the song bit where she's singing the song and you're doing it going through it and it's like this is all really cool gameplay but like it's all just massively hampered by the fact that every character i talk to i want to i want to throttle them for being so <laughs> like borderline I, I can't even describe i can't i don't know like it's like it's like talking to toddlers and i just i don't know why i would put myself through that so well done you're back to ending the podcast <laughs> on an absolute bummer well done uh we'll just roll it back sonic's amazing it's yeah. really fun it's it has a great it's wow not, factor uh, listen i don't want to i don't want to get into a, what's better sonic or mario <laughs> argument <laughs> i've done that i've done that uh in the 90s and i'm not interested in doing it again but let's yeah yeah I that mean, wasn't the intent know, it was i will the... say I, I don't necessarily feel that um Modern Sonic. I haven't played many modern Sonics, but modern Sonic's not much better, right? Because that's all like that's all friendships and friendships and characters and you know twee conversations and like fake attitude. Sonic was good. Sonic was good because he was because he was silent. <laughs> <laughs> so Dan, definitely not my intent to start start a start us down that that horrible path. Um, <laughs> was a. Uh... But, you know, yes, there's much to be said, but, you know, like you said, you don't, we don't have time to go down that path. Want to let you go, want to let you get on with the, the, the thing that you squeezed me in between of. Um, so, you know, to just roll it back, the first Sonic game, great thing, did some really wow factors. That's the positive attitude we're going to walk away yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. That's, and, that's you know, Dan, uh, if there wasn't anything else, I will let you get on of your day. Thank you very much. It's really lovely to speak to you. Thanks for having me on. Dan, I very much appreciate it. And, you know, I really do thank you for making time to have this conversation with me, as well as thank you for joining us on the Red Tunic podcast. A special thanks to John, uh, Ronald Jenkins for the use of music from the title track from Road Steep. And be sure to check out the episode description for links to socials, websites, and other means that allow you to learn more or support Dan and the podcast. And while you're doing that, also be sure to like, follow, and share. You know how that works. Uh, as well, you know, thanks for your time. Bye now.